Hey there, I'm Jen Mueller, host of the Unrivaled Podcast, the podcast where athletes share their journey to becoming pros and the passions that fuel them outside of their sport. Today, our guest is Taylor Hurt, a starting pitcher for the Texas Rangers with a rodeo background and a bounce back season on the horizon. We'll learn the ropes about his career path and how he's overcoming an unlucky 2019 season. But first, we need to welcome him to the podcast. Hey, Taylor. Hey, hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And, you know, it's unusual that I would start a baseball conversation with a question about the rodeo, but it truly does seem like the most natural place to start. Why was that among your earliest athletic pursuits? I mean, it, I know it was a natural fit, but why? With just just with it being my, like my grandpa on my dad's side, um, with him being the first African-American and, and, and doing a lot of things, uh, being the first of a lot, you know, and he, he always wanted to be a cowboy. So that was something he always wanted to do. Started doing calf roping and then um, it transcended down to my dad and his three brothers. And then, you know, with me being the first grandchild and um, well, mainly grandson and then only grandson, it was kind of like, you know, hey, it wasn't a baseball. It wasn't a football. It wasn't a basketball. It was a rope. The first thing I picked up. So. How much of that is where you grew up? I mean, I grew up in Texas as well, and there's a stereotype of cowboys. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I met a few that I went to school with. But I mean, how much of that is just where your family is from that helped to fuel that passion? Um, I think it had a big thing to do with it, you know. Um, and then it, I, I, I still think it's funny to hear people's conversations um that they they see a six six guy that's a pitcher and they look at me and they're like you are a cowboy you know and i'm like yeah you know i used to be and and still mess with it every now and then and stuff like that so uh but now family family's a big thing because there's a lot of we have a lot of family spread out and um in dallas and oklahoma so it's like it's a, it's a rodeo family for a, a long long generation but how did baseball even get on your radar in the first place um so my parents just let me try every sport you know and growing up I was a quarterback and then you know the three guard and, and basketball and and um and then baseball you know they just let me play all sports and they were they I'm glad and very thankful that they didn't make me pick sports because um you know I I, I don't really like that when parents do that but um I did all those sports growing up going all through high school and then when I got to high school you know for some odd reason I just couldn't um I couldn't tell you why I picked baseball because like, I just I just stopped playing football. I just stopped playing basketball, you know, and, and I couldn't I, to this day. I can't tell you why I picked. I just stopped, you know, but I really think like God had something to do with that for sure. Was there a moment that you just fell in love with it? Um, yeah, for sure. I um, probably probably when I got to being like a sophomore is when things got pretty serious, I thought. Because I started throwing harder, things started, you know, I was able to, you know, manipulate and do a lot of things. I was like, man, you know, let me just try to put more time into this because, you know, I could, I could definitely be pretty good at this. So I, um, yeah, I'd probably say definitely sophomore in high school. Was there ever any conflicting emotions knowing the legacy that your family had in the rodeo and knowing that you were successful in the rodeo when you started to focus more on baseball? Honestly, it was actually, it was honestly my grandpa. I know for a fact he wasn't too happy about it because he, um, see your one and only grandson, you know, you would hopefully want him to follow in your footsteps. And, um, I don't think he really knew anything about baseball. And I think maybe he knew a little bit, but he was honestly, I think the only person that was a little upset that I didn't do that. Cause everybody else, everybody else knows. And my dad even told me for years and my uncles as well, 
that, you know, making a living in rodeo is very, very tough. You know, you, you got a better shot of making a better living in baseball. But I bet you still use some of those skills or at least the mindset from the rodeo then, today. What are some of those things, either skills or mindset, that still haven't gone away? Confidence, um, work ethic, uh, patience. Um, what else? What else I got? Um, definitely not, and, and not letting the moment get too big because I, I've been going to rodeos for a while and, and, and um, just going to rodeos, you're always going to be performing in front of not just a couple hundred people, but, you know, thousands of people, you know, and I think that's something that helped me out a lot to help whenever I do pitch in like big stadiums, it's, like, it's, it's not a big deal in me, you know, because I'm used to it. I was used to it as a young age, you know, competing, but then also um, probably the biggest thing is, you know, the difference between, you know, higher levels of minor league and major league, um, just the game speed of the game um, speeding up on you. Because in, 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 in the event I do, um, it's a lot of moving parts, a lot going on. So you can actually get too, too caught up in it and, and get out of whack. So that's where you got to be able to um, be able to diagnose things and be able just to calm down and take it step by step and not rush anything. My guess is you still have some folks that you talk to on a regular basis, whether it's somebody from the rodeo or an old teacher or a coach. Who is it that still texts or emails or calls on a regular basis? That would be my lifetime pitching coach, trainer, uh, Omar Washington, who I've been, he's been my pitching coach since I was seven years old. So that's somebody who I talk to on the daily outside of my parents. Um, you know, he's a, he has a lot to do with who I am today and help mold me to the pitcher who I am today. So he's somebody who I'm always watching video with, trying to diagnose things. And just uh, that's somebody outside of family that I always talk to 24-7. Is there somebody else or maybe he is the one that you text before or after every game? Besides my sister and mom and dad, yeah, that's, that's probably it. He's always checking up on me. You text each of your family members before or after every game? They usually text me. They usually. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they beat you to the like punch. A, Oh, every time. My sister's always the first one that does it. You know, she, she'll send me a text like early in the morning, you know, while I'm still asleep. She's like, hey, good luck, you know, and stuff like that. And, and then um, and then my mom will, then my dad will. And then if they don't usually text me before the game, they always text me after the game. At what point did you recognize that you had the talent? I mean, in, in high school, you started to love the sport. But when did you recognize you had the talent to play at a higher level? When I got to high school. Um, started throwing a little harder. Um, things started coming to me a little bit easier when I was pitching. You know, I started to realize that uh, I was a little different than most of the kids coming out there. You know, I was I was a guy that was big lefty that had a lot of deception that people couldn't you know hit the ball because I was coming at a different angle and you know just just different things. So for sure in high school, you know, is when is when it really hit me. But it hits you at a different level when you recognize just how hard it is to get to the big leagues. How do you quantify that commitment and that sacrifice that it takes? Oh, geez. I think it starts, um, I think it starts at an early age, like high school, you know. Um, but um, it, it, I, think it, I think it got a little bit, little bit better in college because, you know, college is more so like a job. You know, these guys. You're out there every day throwing. You're out there working on something every day. So um, college for sure is when it really, really kicked in. Because I didn't really work out that much in high school. When I got to college, you know, that's when it um, really 
really hit me. And I was like, all right, I need to, if I want to say I'm going to do this, I'm here on a scholarship, you know, I want to get the most out of it. Yeah, it does kind of bring it to a new level. And so does getting your first check as a pro. What do you remember about opening that envelope or seeing that check? Um, geez. Couldn't believe it. Honestly, I was like, man, I was like, I was like, if they could, uh, if they could only just add a couple more zeros on to it. But, uh, but that first check was great, though. That first check was awesome. Um, I think it was cool to get it. Um, and then a- after after seeing it, I remember sitting down in my in my hotel bed and just looking at it. And I was like, man, I was like, I want to do whatever I can to get more of these and add more zeros onto it, and know that it's going to take time. So, but I was, I was definitely excited. So when you think about your big league debut, it's something that every kid dreams of. How did your debut compare to what you thought it was going to be? Not even close. It was day and night. I never, not one time ever in my life, I ever thought I would not be able to get out of the first inning. I had always pictured myself being able to go six, seven innings, you know, or, you know, complete game and stuff like that was always something I've always wanted to do, you know, and, and to have that happen was definitely, you know, uh, a little different. But, you know, I, I learned a lot from it. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out of my control, a lot of stuff I couldn't, you know, had nothing to do with. But, you know, it's just part of baseball, you know, because that also helped remind me and, and that's already instilled in me that you're never ever going to have a good good outing every time you pitch, so even on your debut, so. That's why I kind of embrace it and tell people about it. Like, hey, like, you know, don't ever think you're going to go out here and try to just shove it and just kill kill everything. Because, you know, even on my debut, I didn't even get out of the first inning. No, I was injured, but still, like, use me as an example. Well, and that 24-hour span must have been like a roller coaster. Because what happened the next day when they did diagnose you with the injury and then you ended up going on the injured list? Yeah, I ended up leaving that that next day to um, to fly to Dallas to get diagnosed. It was a lot, you know. I, I I remember just sitting in my bedroom, just thinking like, man, like what did I do? I just let a lot of people down, you know. And it was a lot out of my control. And I was like, man, like I, I really wanted to do something, you know. And um, but yeah, it, it was a lot. But I mean, I wasn't too worried about it. I was able to come back to Arizona rehabbing and just sit in my room and be able to just sit and just digest it and be like, look, it's part of the game. We've had bad outings like this before. So let's not let one outing define our whole our major league career. But that could have so easily derailed you or derailed other people. I mean, how do you get through that for an entire year? And I guess, how would you advise others who are facing obstacles to get through them as a result? Definitely not rush the rehab process. Um, and it's not like I was trying to rush it or anything, but it just, it was like just one, it was like the elbow and then there was something else and it was like a fracture and stuff like that. So, um, I think the biggest thing is what I tell people all the time is like, when you're going through rehab, no matter what it is, don't rush it. Um, I'd honestly, because that's the last thing you want to do is try to get hurt and then get hurt even worse. So that's the big thing I try to tell people is one thing I continue to learn during that whole rehab process and say, hey, just stay where my feet are and um, just take it day by day and let's get better and let's not rush the thing and let's do it right and let's do even more treatment to make sure we're on top of it. 
I know that you grew up a fan of every Dallas team. Is playing close to home a blessing or is it added pressure? Um, I definitely see it as a blessing. Um, I think I think it can be added pressure if um I think it's all I think it all just depends on who you who you have around you, you know. And I'm 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 a guy that doesn't really have, you know, I'm not gonna sit here and have an entourage. I'm not gonna sit here and and um um be hanging out and going out all the time because, you know, the people that know me, I barely I don't even go out, you know, and I like staying in my room, like staying in my apartment, just relaxing. I'm a big like homebody guy. Love, you know, love video games. So I'm definitely um, stay at home guy. I know that there has been a greater emphasis and awareness on getting more African-American players in baseball in the last few years. And I've talked to a number of different players about it, but why is that important from your point of view? I think it's just crazy to, um, to see how athletic um, a lot of African-American black kids are that play basketball and football. Like a bunch of them that I know, um, can you know it's not the prettiest thing but they can actually pick up a ball and actually throw it pretty far because they're, they're used to throwing a football and uh, you know majority of them are fast they're very strong they got a lot of work ethic and stuff so um but you know it, i think it's i think it's one thing i've always emphasized on even now um now that i'm back home you know i want to i want to like when i go speak to a bunch of the kids at a bunch of the elementary schools and middle schools and high schools that's one of the things i tell them is i'm like hey like yes i play for the rangers yeah you may see me on tv but i'm here talking to you and letting you know that hey use me as an example that i'm a hometown kid and i'm i made it you know in the major leagues i'm playing in the major leagues but i'm just a normal person just like the rest of y'all no matter how much money i'm making and everything like i'm always going to be a personal person because i want to help people out you know and that's why um, I want um, to use my platform the best I can and just, you know, try to help kids out. So what other causes, nonprofits, charitable organizations are close to your heart that you use your platform for? Me and my trainer, Omar, we put on camps, pitching camps all the time. And my plan is to put on, you know, a good amount of them or one big one in the city of Dallas and try to get as many inner city kids as I can, you know, you know, um, or have as many pitch caps as I can to try to spread the word and just, you know, try to get kids a little taste of baseball and like what it's like growing up um, and what it takes to just get to certain, certain, you know, the professional level, you know, high school, college and professional level, of course. Well, we hope that we see you pitching a lot during the course of the season because we do predict that it is a bounce back year for you. Thank you for spending some time with us and sharing your story today, Taylor. Oh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much for having me. This is the Unrivaled Sports Podcast, giving fans a refreshing look at sports. I'm Jen Mueller. Please find our complete profile at unrivaled-sports.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Look for Unrivaled's next profile of a likable and underestimated pro athlete coming soon.